list. Uh, go ahead and take those out. If you haven't gotten one yet, just get your hands up. One of our ushers will be glad to get you one tonight. Uh, that way you have a record of who to pray for. Uh, unless, uh, unless you are superhuman, it's hard to remember all of these people, right? Uh, I'm only 43, and I have to have a list. I told the kids at camp yesterday, uh, I was preaching to them and try to pray for them every day. And so yesterday morning, I didn't have my list with me. And so I started going down the row of all the kids I knew that were at camp. And I told them when I got there yesterday, I said, I hate to tell you, I forgot about some of you in my prayer time this morning. So I had my wife send it to me on my phone. I didn't want to forget any about them. And uh, so keep up with your prayer list so you can pray for folks, especially needs right here inside of our church. And have a few tonight we're going to look over. Uh, I mentioned a moment ago, we have a lot of our kids out tonight at, down at junior camp. And then a lot of our adults down there manning the ship uh, as counselors. So not only do you pray for the kids, pray for the counselors, okay. A lot of them are over the age of 40 as I am. And are realizing that, man, it takes a lot to keep up with 40, uh, I don't know what, 40, 42 kids that are down there. Uh, they're swimming and they're having activities in the afternoon. They have about three services a day. They have preaching in the morning, class time, and preaching at night. In the middle, you have all the activities and their field activities. Uh, kids aren't occupied with cardboard boxes anymore like they used to be, you know. You give them a stick and they're okay with that. The kids today, you got to keep them moving and, and those counselors are down there. So you pray for them. And I pray that God will work in their lives. I, I was out by the pool yesterday. I'd walk down to give the kids some candy and uh, walk down there. And I could tell the counselors already had that fatigue setting in. And I'm like, oh, now it's only Tuesday, okay? You can't be looking like that already on Tuesday. And I said, look, here's a trick I learned years ago. I lived down there at the camp, so I learned the hacks, you know. And I says, before bed, take them swimming. Take them swimming. And so I, I take them out there, let them swim, let them swim, let them swim. And, boy, you bring them back to the cabin after swimming a little while, they're out like a light. And so you want them to sleep. Sleep's a good thing. Pray for our campers. Pray for our counselors. Pray for the Aaron as he's preaching down there to them this week. And I have to say, boy, I was down there for probably about, a, I don't know, probably about 12 hours yesterday. And the three services that I spoke at yesterday, the spirit and the reception was wonderful. Uh, I mean, the attitude of the young people is great right now. Down there, they are so receptive during the invitation time. They're very responsive. Uh, they're listening during the preaching. You pray God works in their lives during this week, and we never know what God has planned for them. And so pray for our young people. Pray for the speakers. Pray for the counselors down there this week. And then pray for the group as a whole. You know, camp is a, is a two-fold process. You're praying for the individual but then we're praying for our young people to come together as a group. It's about the unity, bringing them together to serve together as a church body. And even though they're only 8, 9, 10 years old, uh, they're our future church. And we're praying that God bonds their hearts together while they're down there. So pray for our young people. There on the top left, we have a, an ongoing list of our ministries here at our church and our missionaries. Pray for them. Uh, I want to encourage you, if you have the phone number or the email address of some of our missionaries, uh, shoot them a text every once in a while. Brother Ray Dombeck, uh, he always enjoys it. He tells me when folks call him and check in on him and it's an encouragement to him so if you have his number give him a call give him a text while he's out there we love brother ray especially our young people there at the bottom miss mallory miss katie ann one in papua new guinea one in botswana i heard from miss mallory yesterday and just thankful for how god is using them pray that god would keep a hedge of protection about them and use him for his glory uh, we don't have any folks in the hospitals right now, so just want to give you a couple right under our members who need prayer tonight. You'll notice my dad is there on the bottom right-hand corner. Dad has been hobbling around a little bit the last few days, uh, actually the last few weeks. Uh, kind of had a little bit of a limp, uh, but dad just keeps going. He's just like an energizer bunny. No matter what he's doing, he's going to do it. And uh, so finally went to the doctor. I believe it was on Monday or Tuesday. Uh, went to the doctor, and he has a tear in his hamstring. And so he is now on crutches around the camp. He's still not stopped. Uh, he is hard-headed as his son is. You wonder where I get it from? That's where I get it from. He's hard-headed, I'm hard-headed. And I uh, pray that he'll, uh, he'll sit down every once in a while, but pray that that'll get healed up. I think he's got an MRI coming up soon on whether or not he needs surgery. Also, it's not on your list, it's on mine. Pray for the AJ tonight. Uh, normally he'd be up here doing our prayer uh, list, uh, but uh, he's under the weather a little bit. Pray for him that he'll get healed up. Uh, here's some things going around, and we want Brother AJ back uh, as soon as possible, so you pray for him. Obviously, you continue to have our folks that are on there uh, kind of perpetually there at our nursing homes. You pray for them. Get by and visit them. I try to see them when I can and encourage them. Oftentimes, that's what they need is just some encouragement. Uh, then our homebound folks that are there, don't forget about them as well. 
Uh, obviously, you look at our kids there that are in college, our military, pray for them. And then always there's folks that are, are calling in from time to time with names uh, of folks that we may not know personally, but we need to pray for as well. On the back, let's look real quick at our workers of the week. You pray for our people that serve faithfully here in our church. Uh, our church has a lot of moving parts, a lot of ministries, and you don't really know until you get to see behind the scenes what all goes on. And a lot of our people wear a lot of different hats. Just ask Ms. Brittany yesterday, obviously works faithfully over at our school. And uh, if you saw the post on Facebook last night, uh, Ms. Brittany was manning the kitchen there at the camp with Ms. Deborah. Uh, we surprised the kids with a luau last night, and we had a whole smoked pig. I found out it's not called a hog. Uh, you don't call it a hog. The barbecue place says, no, it's a pig. And so we had this whole smoked pig there last night, and you should have seen the kids' faces when they walked in. Uh, they walk in and see that pig there, and it, it's a whole pig. I mean, it's everything, including the snout, the legs, everything's there. And before long, Miss, Miss Brittany was wrist deep uh, pulling pork. You know, there's a reason they call it pulled pork. Our folks around here work hard. She did a great job last night. And, uh, boy, I think after it was over, I had two bags of meat left over. Uh, but I'm thankful for our people. Our people work hard. The other day I walked over to the school. Brother Coates is over there, and he's painting at the school and has paint all over his clothes. Uh, a lot of times people think just in ministry you're sitting at a desk all the time or maybe all you're doing is reading your Bible. Far from it, all right? You never know what you're going to be doing around here. Painting, weed eating, or even pulling apart a pig. You just never know. And so be thankful for our people that serve here so faithfully and encourage them, pray for them. That's why we put them on here. Miss Shelley's on here. Uh, Brother Green is on here. Deacons, Sunday school teachers, you pray for them as they serve the Lord here, serving others at Central Baptist Church. I'm thankful for them. Always don't forget our pastor of the week. I get letters from them often as well. Let's pray together tonight before we get into the message. Let's ask the Lord to bless all of these needs. Father, I thank you tonight, Lord, for the privilege of praying. And I'm thankful, Lord, I can come to you with burdens on my heart, uh, burdens on other people's heart. Uh, Father, for people who have physical needs in their life, uh, spiritual needs in their life, I'm thankful that you are a full-service God tonight. And whatever needs we have, whatever needs are on our prayer list, uh, Father, you have the answer and you have the grace, the healing, the peace, uh, the answers for those needs tonight. And I pray for each one that's been mentioned, for the ministries of our church, for our missionaries both out of our church and those that we support at our church. Father, I pray for those, Lord, in our home that are homebound in the nursing homes. I pray for those that have physical needs tonight. Be with Dad. I pray for healing as he goes to the test that he has. And for the AJ, and Lord, is under the weather tonight. And others, Lord, may not even know about, Lord, haven't heard about yet, who have physical needs. Be with them. Lord, as it's summertime, have a lot of people traveling away from church. I pray for them. Lift them up to you. Give them safety. Bring them back to us soon. Uh, Father, for those who may be distant spiritually, Lord, inevitably that happens. Lord, as we live in a cursed world and we live in a fleshly body, uh, Lord, there are things that come along, Lord, and get us out of your will and out of the way of being regular in the house of God. I pray you draw your people back. Help us, Lord, be a blessing and encouragement, knowing, Father, that there are times we're not as close to you as we need to be as well. I pray tonight, Father, for our kids again. Lift them up to you, Father, most likely still in service right now. Father, we don't know, Lord, what needs to happen, Lord, for young people to be saved tonight. I pray that, Lord, you draw them to you. For the saved young people, the future of our church, the little ones, Father, that are following, Lord, behind us, I pray that you begin to stir their hearts, Lord, for how they can live for you, even at their young age. Be with our counselors. Give them energy tonight. Give them strength, uh, Lord, to be about the, your business down there. Be an encouragement blessing to the young people. Bless the speakers. Father, I pray tonight for our church as a whole. I'm so thankful for what you're doing. Lord, you've been so good to us. You've blessed us and, Lord, working in so many ways and so many lives. Lord, I'm thankful and we're humbled by your goodness toward us. Help us, Father, to maintain that through our faithfulness and our obedience to you, even in the message tonight as we ask your blessings on it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our Bibles tonight. I want you to turn to the New Testament. Uh, to the book of 2 Peter, we're going to deviate from our series tonight, felt led to do that. But the Bo texted me this afternoon, he says, do I need to have the slides loaded uh, for our, uh, our Road to Readiness series? And I, I told Brother Bo, not tonight, I felt led to go in a different direction uh, earlier in the day today. And I want to encourage you tonight, I really do. Uh, summertime is a time where you can get into a slump. 
Uh, it's very easy as we get out of routine and we travel a little bit, our kids have a lot of things going on, uh, to go into a spiritual slump. And uh, that's been on my heart the last couple of days. And I want to encourage you tonight uh, not to go down that road. And I think tonight's message is going to help you a little bit with that. Second Peter chapter 1. If you're there, I want you to stand together in verse number 12. Second Peter chapter 1 and look down to verse 12. And uh, I want you to know tonight, if you will be attentive and, and encouraging, as receptive as our young people were yesterday, uh, I believe the Lord's going to work in our service tonight. Boy, they were so open-hearted yesterday. Told Miss Pam, I was up there preaching. And by the way, I have learned more about you folks, uh, you parents, from your kids. It's, it's, it's great. Uh, and it's a blessing learning a little bit about you. And uh, I was asking our kids yesterday about a godly man. And what is a godly man? What makes a godly man? Because I was preaching to the young men. We're looking at building and building godly men. And what a blessing it was to hear some of our young men talk about their dads and some of the traits they have in them and, and some of the things were comical. Maybe I'll share some of that with you later. Uh, but Second uh, Peter chapter 1, we'll go ahead and jump into this. I want you to look down at verse 12. Watch what he says here. Wherefore... I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. I'm thankful, verse 12 right there, shows us that sometimes we need to be reminded of what we already know. I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded from time to time. Verse 13, yea, I think it meet or sufficient, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Verse 14, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease, yes, that means death, to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we have made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Let's pray one more time. Lord, thank you for your word. Bless it now, Lord, as we preach it. Give us liberty, give us courage, give us clarity, and help us be receptive in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The other night, I was sitting at dinner with one of the college groups that came through. I think it was the, the Hiles group that came in, and uh, the young Bible college students that were there began asking me questions. And uh, I quickly realized when they were asking me questions that they were looking at me as if I was an older pastor. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, at first my ego was pumped up. Man, they're asking advice from me. Hey, that's great. Somebody asked for advice. And then I realized every time they used the word experience, it meant old and it meant aged. Uh, and they began asking some pretty good questions to me. Uh, about ministry. What's the hardest thing in ministry? What's your greatest underestimation in ministry? Uh, what are some of the greatest burdens you have in ministry? And boy, I began thinking about that. I said, gosh, you know, I need to take some time and narrow those things down. Uh, and so I gave them the things I could think of offhand and then began to list to them some of the greatest burdens that I have. Number one, I think as a pastor, as a Christian, all of us tonight ought to have a burden for the gospel, right? That is why God left us here to evangelize a lost and dying world that needs to be saved. And so that is one of the number one burdens that I have. And then spiritual growth for our people, discipleship. It's basically the Great Commission. See people saved, see people grow. That's a great burden that I have as a pastor. And so we went on down the line a little bit. And one of the things that really began to pop up in my heart, in my mind, is the burden that I have. And I think every pastor has, every Sunday school teacher has. Uh, probably every ministry leader has, it's a burden of motivation. If I had to really sum up something after the gospel and discipleship, things along that line, somewhere down the line, one of the greatest burdens I have is, is the motivating part of ministry. Helping people get motivated and stay motivated is probably one of the greatest enigmas that we have in ministry today. Uh, there's so many things that distract us, right? I mean, we live in a world of opportunity. We live in the United States of America, and there are so many opportunities of different things to be involved in. There are constantly new things popping up on the horizon. We might call them shiny things, right? You ever get distracted by the shiny things, right? All it takes is something shiny, and you get distracted from what you're to be about. There's a lot of shiny things in our country that distract us from the will of God. So staying motivated is something as a pastor that burdens my heart very much about. Uh, I see churches today battling with the very same thing. Uh, have you ever noticed churches go through cycles of trying different things, uh, putting different types of bait on the hook to get people in the house of God? Now, there's nothing wrong with having a promotion from time to time. 
I think a good promotion is good and trying to motivate people through an activity or through a goal. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever in the world. But if you're not careful, you'll get on the slippery slope of trying to motivate people with things outside the will and the word of God. Uh, we see that all over the world. Churches trying to be relevant. Well, I'm going to motivate you to come to our church by acting like the world. Uh, I think you cross a line when you do that. I think you get down a slippery slope that you never want to go down. That's why this thing of motivation uh, is something you have to figure out according to the discernment of the Holy Spirit. We see churches today trying entertainment. It amazes me sometimes when I see what churches are doing to draw people in. Like I said, I'm not against uh, having people come for different reasons. But what my dad told me years ago still rings true today. What it takes to get them there is what it takes to keep them there. If you draw them in with entertainment, you're going to have to entertain them oftentimes to keep them there. I see people offering everything under the sun just to keep God's people motivated. I want you to think about this tonight. Whatever path you go down to find motivation, you're going to have to keep going down that path to keep your motivation. All right? So, for instance, tonight, if you need fun to be motivated, don't get me wrong, I like to have fun. I was down at camp yesterday. I was having fun. I was having a blast yesterday uh, down there with the kids. I'm 43. There's still a kid left in here somewhere, and I hope there's a kid left in here until the day that I die. And we're out there. I'm teaching them how to throw a Frisbee. It blows my mind how many kids don't know how to throw a frisbee, all right? You got to keep it flat, all right? You can't throw it up like this. It's going to turn. It's going to twist. Man, we're out having fun yesterday, and there's nothing wrong with having fun. But watch this. If you're only motivated by fun, your motivation will fade. Don't forget that. If that's all you're motivated by is by fun, your motivation will fade. Why? Because fun is something that you can't keep up all the time or else you'll go broke, right? Right? Hey, that's a great rule for your kids, by the way. I watched parents through the years, you know, their kid will be four years old and their Christmas present is a brand new Xbox. And I'm like, all right, be careful. Be careful because I'm, they're five years old, you're going to have to up the ante a little bit. And by the time, that's why I started off with my kid, all right, you're four years old, you're getting a box for Christmas. That way, expectations, no, I didn't, okay? I probably went a little bit too overboard. But those expectations continue, Right? And you have to keep going down that path. Think about it this way. Tonight, if you're motivated by ease, your motivation will be empty. Right? So if it's motivated by fun, then your motivation is going to fade because you can't live off of fun. It's like cotton candy. It's good for a moment, but it quickly melts away. Right? All right? If you're only motivated by what is easy, I hate to tell you, your motivation will eventually be empty. Why? Because life is not always easy. Think about it this way. If you're only motivated by what is popular, your motivation will pass. Why? Because the will of God is not always popular, is it? Matter of fact, most of the time, the will of God is probably not popular to the lost and dying world that we're trying to reach. Think about it this way. If you're only motivated by people, then your motivation will be periodic. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that if we're going to keep moving forward in the will of God, we've got to find the right motivation. And here's what's important. Motivation and what you use to motivate you is vital tonight because what you choose as your motivation will determine how long you're motivated. If you're only motivated by fun, you're only going to be motivated until the fun stops. If you're only motivated by people, you're only going to stay motivated as long as there are people there. If you're only motivated by what is popular, you're only going to stay motivated as long as it is popular. Tonight, I believe that's why you see so many of God's people doing this. Up and down. Motivated in and out. On and off. Excited. Down in the dumps. Why? Our motivation is not based on what it ought to be. And I'll be honest with you. This is something that we're all prone to. You get your eyes on a person. You get your eyes on a movement. A fad. Or a feeling. Don't get me wrong. I like a good feeling. Uh, I, hey, I don't mind a good fad every once in a while, okay? Man, there was a time Crocs were a fad, you know? And I got me some Crocs, and I love wearing my Crocs. Matter of fact, I wore my Crocs to camp yesterday. But fads come and go. If you're only motivated why something's a fad, you're not going to stay motivated. Here's the problem. We as God's people have to stay motivated. 
We have got to find something that keeps us going and keeps gas in our tank regardless of people, popularity, fun, or ease. So the question is, how do we do that? How do we maintain our motivation tonight in spite of all the circumstances that we encounter in life? Well, I believe tonight there's a great truth. In the next 30 minutes, we're going to try to cover it right here in 2 Peter. We're going to start in verse number 12. We're going to look at this subject of maintaining our motivation. Maintaining our motivation. Can I tell you where my heart began to be burdened about this message? As I watched our young people yesterday. And as I watched our teenagers at youth conference. I watch young people that are starting to be motivated. I'm watching our little juniors there in, at youth camp. I watch them pop up and go down to an altar and pray. I watch young people go over to their counselors and talk to them. I'm seeing God begin to stir their heart, and God's working in their heart. I see our teenagers. Oh, God's working in the heart of our teenagers. I am praying for teen camp next week, for God to work through teen camp next week. Here's my problem. It's sad when young people get motivated and come back to a church that's not motivated. I don't want to suck the life out of them. I want when those kids to come back from junior camp and from teen camp to find a church that's going to encourage them and be a part of the will of God for their lives too. I don't want to hold them back and drag them down. So how do we maintain our motivation when God motivates others in our life? I believe Peter gives three things. Ironically, it's amazing how often it's three, right? Look down to verse 12. Watch this. Wherefore, I will not be negligent. To put you always in remembrance. So here's Peter. And Peter says, I'm not going to be negligent. Peter says, I am motivated. You can almost hear the passion in Peter's voice. As a matter of fact, if you'll look down to verse 5, watch this. And beside this, giving all diligence. He's trying to motivate them. Be diligent. Stick with it. Look down to verse number 10. He says, wherefore, the rather brethren give what? Diligence. He's trying to motivate them. He says, hey, be diligent. He's trying to stir them up. As a matter of fact, he says that. I'm not going to be negligent not to stir you up. So how is he doing that? I love this. If you'll pay close attention to verse 12, you're going to see one of the first few things. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, now watch this. I think it meet. As long as I am in this tabernacle. Notice that. As long as I am in this tabernacle. Verse 14. Knowing that shortly. Verse 13 uses the word long. Verse 14 uses the word shortly. I must put off this tabernacle. Even our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able after my what? Decease. There's three words I want you to see. He says here, verse number 13, as long Verse 14, shortly. Verse 15, decease. Can I tell you what was motivating Peter? Peter says, be diligent, be diligent, be diligent. I'm not going to neglect to stir you up. Why? Number one, motivation was a matter of time. He says, verse number 13, as long as I am in this tabernacle. He knew his time was limited. Look down to verse 14. Knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle. Verse 15. I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease. Why was Peter motivating them? Be diligent, be diligent, be diligent. Peter, watch this, was motivating them because he was motivated. What was motivating Peter? Time. Time. Can I tell you something tonight? One of the greatest motives you will ever have to stay motivated in your life is time. Realizing that regardless of how long of a life you live, the Bible says that this life is a vapor. If there's anything that ought to motivate your diligence tonight, is to realize I don't have much time. Why do we get distracted and neglect the will of God for our lives? Can I tell you why? It's because we think we have time. I'm 43. As far as I know, I'm in good health. Okay? As far as I know. Now, there's a lot of people who die daily who think they're in good health too. But right now, as far as I know, I'm in good health. I had a pretty good checkup a while back. I think I'm in good health. But I could die tomorrow. And all of a sudden, my time is over. My opportunity is gone. And whatever it was that distracted me and whatever it was that slowed me down has robbed me of my motivation. It's cost me my time. Tonight, can I tell you what ought to motivate us regardless of people, 
popularity, fun, and ease. Can I tell you what ought to motivate us? It's our time. None of us know how much time we have, and therefore we've got to be, what in verse 5? Diligent. What in verse 10? Diligent. Verse number 12, not to be negligent. Why? Because of time. Peter says, I'm trying to stir you up. I'm trying to get you involved. Why? Because of time. He was motivated by time. Uh, Brother AJ and I were talking in the office today. I have been captivated. I've, I found it quite interesting. I've been captivated by this story of the submarine. Anybody else seen that on the news? That submarine going down to the Titanic. And uh, those, those uh, modern-day explorers, adventurers that are on that tiny sub, about the size of a minivan. And if you got to see, I watched the video on the inside of that. Virtually, they are in a pipe going down over 12,000 feet below the surface of the ocean. The pressure down there is 6,000 pounds per square inch. It is dark. It is cold. And who knows what kind of monsters are down there. And that Titan sub went down on Sunday morning, if I'm not mistaken, headed down to the Titanic. There's a father and son on there, two great adventurers, but I forget who the fifth person is on there. And I think an hour and 45 minutes down into, into their descent, they lost radio contact. Number one, that, that scares me to death, just thinking about being that deep, down there in the darkness without any lights, without any power. And they have sent resources from all over the world to the North Atlantic trying to find that lost submarine uh, below the surface of the, of the Atlantic Ocean. They are scouring it with planes. They're going back and forth with GPS coordinates trying to locate where they're at. I think it was a Canadian uh, surveyor plane flew over and they detected uh, tapping, they think. It's a kind of unconfirmed reports of whether or not there's someone down there in that area, uh, twice the size of Rhode Island, tapping on the side of that, of that, that submarine. Do you know what's motivating them? Do you know why they have pulled out all of these military resources and private companies have come in to help? They have 96 hours of air. If they're cut off, if there's no power, they only have 96 hours of air. And by the way, you ought to pray for those folks if they're still alive. There are five people on that sub and according to their math, if their math is correct, their air will run out tomorrow morning. So somewhere in the dark depths of the North Atlantic, if there are five people still alive, their time is running out. And you see all of this panic and all of these people coming out to try to save these five people's lives. Why? They're motivated by time. They know that after tomorrow morning, there is a small likelihood that they're going to survive. And so they're doing all that they can, no telling how many millions of dollars are being spent to save the lives of those five folks that are down there. What's motivating them? Time. They're running out of time. As catastrophic as that would be, I, I keep thinking about the father and his son that are down there on that submarine thinking that if they are cut off, there's a father about to watch his son suffocate right there in the darkness at the bottom of the North Atlantic. How hard that would be. As, as tragic as that is, can I tell you, the time that you and I are dealing with, the opportunity that what God has given us to do, it's eternal. It's eternal. And, and, and they're working and they're going through all of this stuff to save those men. And, and I hope they save them. We ought to pray for them. Hey, God could do that. I mean, God kept Jonah alive in a whale, right? Uh, I think God could keep some men alive in a submarine if that would be his will. But think about this tonight. If they are willing to do that to save those men's lives, how motivated should you and I be to help reach someone and save their soul? Folks, tonight, listen to me. I want you to notice verse 12. I love what he puts right here. Wherefore, I will not be negligent. Can I tell you why we shouldn't be negligent? We're running out of time. Peter says, I'm going to die after my decease, shortly put off. I don't have long. He was motivated by his time. He says, I will not be negligent. Oh, what a rally cry. That'll be for God's people tonight. I'm not going to be negligent. Are there re reasons to be negligent? Absolutely. You're looking at one of them right now. If you're looking at me, I will give you reasons to be negligent. Every person in this room can give you reasons to be negligent. But all the time that we're neglecting what God called us to do, we're running out of time. And I think tonight we ought to be motivated by that. Think about Jesus in John. What did he say? 
I must work the works of him that sent me, John 9, 4, while it is day, because the what? The night cometh. What was Jesus motivated by? By the way, he is our pattern, is he not? And what was Jesus motivated by? Time. He was not negligent. I mean, he must needs go through Samaria. I mean, he had to keep walking up Mount Calvary. What motivated him? Time. He knew that the sun was setting. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh. John chapter 4, verse 35. I have got to hurry. All right, we're already 10 minutes into this thing. Jesus says the fields are already white. Do you know what he was referring to? Time. It was the time of harvest. The fields are already white. He was saying it's time. It's past time. They are already white. It's beyond the time for harvest. Folks, could I just encourage you tonight, as we go through the summer, could we maintain our motivation by the simple fact that motivation is a matter of time? He says, verse 5, be diligent. Verse 10, be diligent. How does he do that? Well, realizing verse 13, 14, and 15, he tells them, I don't have much time left. The church at Laodicea, what was their problem? The Bible says they were lukewarm. Lukewarm. Years ago, I preached a message here on coffee. Years and years ago. Because every time I think about lukewarm, I think about coffee, don't you? There's nothing worse than lukewarm coffee. Now, will I drink it? Absolutely. But it's not good. Do you know how coffee gets lukewarm? Watch this. It gets neglected. I absolutely hate when I make a fresh cup of coffee, and you know your taste buds just start humming. They can sense it. You know, those taste buds realize coffee is near. You have smelt it when you have poured the coffee into that little pod, you know, and your taste buds are like, yeah, it's coming. And then you get in, you put your cream in. My wife, for some odd reason, has some heavy whipping cream in the refrigerator right now. She's in the nursery, so she doesn't hear this. Uh, And so I snuck a little bit of it today and poured it in there. Oh, man, heavy whipping cream and coffee. You know it's good because you see those little grease dots floating on the top. You're like, this is going to be good. And all of a sudden, my phone rings. Put the coffee down reluctantly. Answers on, hello, and I go around. I come back an hour later, and you look at it. It's got that little cream circle on the top. You know it's been got cold, and it's lukewarm. Brother Richard, amen. (laughs) He got neglected. You know why there's so many Christians that are not motivated and they're lukewarm? Neglect. It's not that you've been neglected, it's been you've been neglecting. He says, verse 5, be diligent. Verse 10, be diligent. Verse 12, I'm not going to be negligent. Why? He says, number one, I, I don't have a whole lot of time. I think probably every parent in here, probably especially our mothers, have used this statement. I don't have time for that. You ever use that? Mothers and wives, you've used that. I don't have time for that, you know. And I heard it a few times from my mom. I've heard it a few times from my wife. I don't have time for that. That's how we ought to be. When things come along to distract us from the will of God for our life, we ought to just say, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. When Satan comes along and tries to give you an excuse to quit serving God, you ought to just say, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. I don't have but a little time. This life is but a vapor. I don't have any time to be bitter. I don't have any time for division. We don't have time for that. The Lord's coming back soon. We don't have time for delays for our feelings. Hey, Jesus is coming. The world is still lost. We got a job to do. We got to maintain our motivation by what? By number one, by time. By time. I love the old poem. It's longer than this, but basically says only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Number one, let's maintain our motivation tonight by time. Let's keep reading real quickly, all right? Look down to verse number 14. The Bible says, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. So he's motivated by the time. Then he says, verse 15, moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. Can you hear the passion in his voice? He says, be diligent, be diligent. I'm not not going to neglect you. I don't have much time left. You've got to remember this. You see, he's passionate about what he's telling them. What is he telling them? This is easy, okay? This is super easy tonight. Number two, he's telling them the truth. I believe tonight motivation is a matter of truth. 
the first thing that ought to motivate is the simple fact that we have but a little time. But number two, he's motivated. He says, I want you to have these things in remembrance. He's motivated by truth. Yesterday, I looked out at the kids, and uh, you're not going to believe this. Not one of them was asleep. Not one of them was asleep while I was preaching. I was shocked. Just coming out of a swimming pool or whatever they were doing, and man, they were tired. They were paying attention. And I looked out, and I said, can I ask you guys a question? And they're like, yeah. I says, why is this camp here? All of our counselors this year are wearing orange shirts. They have a simple rule. Never get out of the sight of an orange shirt. We just brought it down on a color-coded level. Never get out of the sight of an orange shirt. I says, why are all those orange shirts back there? You know, we don't pay any of our counselors. They're taking their weeks off work. They're down there chasing a bunch of kids around that are not even theirs, you know. If they're your kids, you got to chase them around, right? They're chasing other people's kids around. They're out there playing soccer. I watched them. They're playing pool noodle soccer yesterday. Have you ever seen 40 little kids swinging pool noodles and you're an adult trying to keep up with them? There are red marks across faces about the width of a pool noodle today. They kept coming in. I was watching. They kept coming in the dining hall, getting patched up. They're right back out there again, you know, getting right back out there in the ring. I asked the kids, why are these people here? Why is this camp here? My dad built that camp back in 1996, 97, started building it there. I said, why, why did he build this thing? I said, it's because we wanted you to know the truth. That's what's motivating them, truth. Why are those counselors there? Number one, we want those kids to hear about the truth, that Jesus is the way and the truth. We want them to be saved and come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. What motivated it? I mean, do you honestly think that, 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 that folks are down there because of their own jollies? This is great. I mean, have you ever smelt a big group of kids? Yesterday we had the group picture up on the stage. Maybe a good idea next time, wait until before activities, not after activities. We get up on the stage. I'm in the front middle. I turned around and looked at them. I said, you smell like kids. They're like, we are. I said, yeah, but you still stink. You smell like kids. Do you think those counselors are down there? Because of their own good health? No. Man, the opportunity to give truth to those kids. We're living in a world who, matter of fact, if you would look down, verse 16, I want to show you something. For we have not followed what? Cunningly devised fables. Have you noticed we are living in a world that has adopted fables? I mean, look, I used to think fables were like Little Red Riding Hood, you know, the lady who lived in the shoe. I thought those were fables. Now fables are that you can pick your gender and you can pick what a marriage is. Those are fables. Our kids are being inundated with fables. Falsehood. As a matter of fact, the word fable in the New Testament is the word mythos. The root word is myth. It says what we're preaching to you is not a myth. It's not a fable. This is truth. Hey, down there at that camp this week, do you know what we're giving those kids? We're giving them truth. What motivated us? Truth. I had to have three messages ready to preach yesterday. Man, I'm up late one night. Miley says, what are you doing? I said, I got to get ready to preach. I got to teach tomorrow to the guys and preach tomorrow morning to the whole group and preach tomorrow night and work and all that. You know what's motivating me? Not just to get the job done. Realizing I'm giving them something to combat the fables. I promise you, if we don't put truth in them, we should not be surprised if they succumb to the fables we got to put it in there. That's what ought to motivate us tonight. We've got to keep going. Why? Well, the same thing that motivated Peter. If you look down, he says in verse 15, I want you to have these things always in remembrance. He said, you got to have some truth inside of you. Folks, what a wonderful opportunity we have here at our church to be the pillar and ground of what? Truth. That's what the Bible says, in Timothy, the Bible says the church is. We're the pillar and ground of truth. Do you know we're just not here to be a religious social club? I, I hope you're social, all right? Uh, and I hope you feel kind of camaraderie like a club. But no, this is the pillar and ground of truth. We are here providing the alternative to the world. It's like a snake bite. I've never been snake bitten, and I don't want to be snake bitten. Uh, I notice the older I get, the more wary I get of that. Last night we're out there playing uh, light night. Uh, it was glow stick, hide and go seeks. All the kids got glow sticks all over them. And when you capture them, you take their glow stick from them. 
Used to, I would go out in the woods, and I would wade out into the woods, and I'm hiding under there like an army commando, you know, trying to steal all the glow sticks and all that. And last night, I just hung out in the field. I didn't go down in the swamp. I didn't go hide out in the water. Why? I'm saying, man, there are snakes everywhere. What was I thinking when I was a kid? No, we didn't see any, okay? Don't freak out. We didn't see any, but they're out there, right? You get bit by a snake, you only have so much time to get the antidote in. Do you know what the antidote for a fable is? Truth. Our kids are being attacked by the fables of the world. Even good kids raised in good homes. What's the antidote? We've got to give them truth. There's no time for some of the things we're dealing with. There's no time to get sidetracked by feelings and all of that stuff. We've got to maintain the fact that truth is the only hope for our kids and for this country. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth. That should be our motivation tonight. Notice what he says. I'm going to hurry and give you the last thing. Verse 15, moreover, I will endeavor. I love verse 12. He says, I will not be negligent. But then he says in verse 15, I will endeavor. Boy, that in word, endeavor, that's a hard word. It means work. I'm going to work at it. Do you know motivation is something you've got to work at? Last week, I had the opportunity to preach for a friend. I don't take a lot of preaching opportunities away. I like being home. And last week, I took the opportunity to preach for a friend in, in their revival services. I had a great time up there and preach at the night. And I drive home and we work here and then go work at the camp. And then we drive back up and preach. And had all that storms and all these things going on. And I'll be honest with you, there's a few mornings I was not motivated. I'm telling you, I tell my Sunday school class today, this 40 thing is real. It is real. I thought it was like a fable, okay, a mythos. I thought it was a myth. It is real. Now I'm thinking, you know what, I, you know, I'll get up and I'll, I'll spend some extra time in prayer and study later. It's easy to get distracted. And 5 o'clock, 5.30, that alarm goes off. You roll over and look at your phone. You learn to hate your phone because it's your alarm clock. You hate that. Somebody said the other day, you ought to put your alarm clock across the room where you have to get up and walk over there. I'm like, no, I'm not that dedicated. I don't hate it that much, okay? But one day I will. It is hard staying motivated. But can I tell you what will keep you going? Watch what he says in verse 15. I will endeavor. I will endeavor. Do you know why you and I ought to endeavor to stay motivated? Because the only answer is truth. That's the answer for your home, our children, and our nation, truth. So how do you know that? Well, the Bible says the truth shall make you free. The shackles that our country is in right now, the only answer is truth. they got to hear the truth. You say, well, that's hard. That's why you have to endeavor. That's why you have to endeavor. Can I tell you what would be easy to preach? I know what to preach on to make people smile. I really do. I love preaching on grace. But Edwards will tell you, grace, joy, peace, contentment, and living your best life now. I hear that's a bestseller. I mean, sometimes, and I'm not saying it's eloquent by no means, sometimes it's hard to listen to something that's not eloquent. I get that. Sometimes it's tough to preach truth. That's why I joke all the time about smiling. Hey, help me out. Make it easier to preach truth. I'm endeavoring up here when you're not smiling. It's work. They don't care. They're not paying attention. Nobody's listening. It's hard. Yeah, that's why you have to endeavor in it. It's hard raising kids right in 2023. Yeah, that's why he says, I will endeavor. That ought to be our motto for our spiritual life. I will endeavor. It's going to be hard, but I will endeavor. There are fables and fairy tales and myths, but I will endeavor. Why? Because the truth is the greatest motivation. That's the only thing that's going to set us free tonight. So as we go through this summer, what motivates us? Number one, be motivated by the time. Number two, be motivated by the truth. And finally, I want you to look down, verse 15, moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, now watch this, after my decease. Now, I'll, I want you to notice how the Lord is leading Peter to write this with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That you may be able after my decease. So Peter's motivated by the time. I don't have long, shortly, decease. Peter's motivated by the truth. You may have these things in remembrance and not follow fables. But then he starts thinking even after he's gone. I want you to have something after my decease. 
Can I tell you tonight, if you need some motivation, let me give you one more thing before we close. Motivation is a matter of testimony. It's a matter of testimony. Can I tell you why you ought to endeavor? Be diligent. Not be negligent. Can I tell you why you ought to keep up the fight? Keep moving, keep going, even when it's hard? Because of that word right in the middle of verse 15. One word, after. After. The easiest thing in the world to do is quit. Easiest thing in the world to do. Quit. I'm not going to be diligent, verse 5. I'm not going to be diligent, verse 10. I'm I'm going to be negligent, verse number 12. Why? Because it's hard in verse 15. I will endeavor. It's just too hard. And so we quit. Before you quit, can I give you an encouragement tonight to keep you motivated, verse 15? It's that word after. It is your testimony. One of the things that motivates me, and please don't get me wrong, I'm motivated by what I'm called to do and by wanting to please the Lord. But I think about my daughter often. I only have one, uh, but I love the one. And there are days where you want to quit, where you're not wanting to be motivated anymore. I'm tired of it, I'm tired of it, I'm tired of it. But I know there's a young Christian coming right behind me. And I need her to endeavor when it's hard. And so I start thinking about, all right, now I've never seriously considered quitting, but man, there are times you want to quit. There are times you as a parent want to quit, right? You can't quit being a parent. (laughs) Sorry. That's why you pray for a good spouse to come soon, okay? You start thinking about, watch this, after. After. If I do quit and I take the easy route and I do what I want and go my way because I'm tired of endeavoring, I'm tired of being diligent, I would rather be negligent. Can I tell you what you're risking? You're risking your testimony. Motivation is a matter of testimony. Those coming behind you, those that you're going to leave tracks for them to follow, what's the word in verse 15? After. I love the story of Hudson Taylor. He's one of the first missionaries I ever really learned a lot about missionary to China. The amazing story about Hudson Taylor is the Chinese government tried to derail him because obviously he was preaching against their state religion. The government goes and they hire men to dig up dirt on Hudson Taylor so they could destroy him and bring him down in the eyes of the people. Very successful tactic. So the men went, I forget how long it was, six months, maybe nine months, they come back to the emperor, whoever they were reporting to, and they says, we can find nothing on this man. It says, as a matter of fact, we've chosen to follow the God that he served. Testimony. If you also read about the story of Hudson Taylor, you'll find out he struggled. He found days that were hard. He found days that was tough to be diligent and maybe you wanted to be negligent. But I'm thankful that Hudson Taylor maintained his testimony. Why? Because of the people that would come after Behind him, no matter how hard it got, Hudson Taylor stuck it out. Persecution in a communist nation. He stuck it out. He was diligent. He wasn't negligent. Why? I believe one of the things that motivated him was, moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after. You know what motivates me as a parent, not as a pastor, but as a parent. I want my daughter to be able after. I know, I joke about her being the first Baptist nun and never getting married, okay? I know that's probably not going to happen. I know that one day, in ten so years, there will be a young man come along and bring me a dowry of an annual hunting trip to Colorado. (laughs) And she'll get married. And she's going to leave my home. And that scares me to death. It really does. Because I feel like I'm her superman. It's my job to protect her and watch after her and always be there for her physically. But I know that one day she's going to leave. And I need to know that she's going to be able after she leaves my house. That's the goal. So on days where I have pity parties and I want to quit and I'm just like, this is not worth it and I'm tired. I think about the one that are going to be left after my decease. Will she be able after? She's got to be able after. 
Oh, it is gut-churning to think that I won't prepare my child to be able after. It just, that's unacceptable. Now, I can't make her decisions for her. She will get to do what she chooses to do with the free will that she has, but I don't want it to be because of my account. That I quit and I gave up, I wasn't diligent, that I became negligent because it was too hard. No, I'm going to be diligent, I'm not going to be negligent. Why? She's got to be able after. If she chooses not to be able, it's not going to be on me. And all of a sudden, have you ever went from the bottom of the valley to the top of a mountain just like that? Oh my goodness, I, I had a story yesterday, if you saw it on Facebook, let me tell you real quick, and I'll close with this. Man, I was getting an illustration for a sermon uh, in the Dollar General in Prentice, Mississippi yesterday, walked in to get a piece of foam brick. I need a 4 inch by 12 inch foam brick. I walk in, and there's the bin that says foam bricks. I was so excited, and I look back up in the bin, and there's none there. Believe it or not, Dollar General was out of something. I look up, I look around, I can't, they have the round ones, but they didn't have the square ones. I need a square one, because the illustration won't work, because bricks are not round, they are square. And so I said to myself, that's just my luck. I have to drive all the way to Columbia to get a stinking piece of styrofoam. My wife said, why don't you dig in a dumpster? I said, no, I'm not digging a dumpster, I find a piece of styrofoam. As I turned away, I looked up on the shelf. And there was one foam block totally out of place. No joke. I should have showed you the picture tonight. If you go to my Facebook page, you'll see it. When I pulled it down, there was a yellow post-it on it that said, God is good all the time. Handwritten. I honestly believe I heard a clap of thunder. And I said, I'm sorry. Matter of fact, I, I took it out. Here's the note. It says, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. I said, I'm sorry. I am so sorry. Something happened at the camp the next, uh, the next few hours. I said, I'm not getting an attitude because first time it was a post-it, next time who knows what it could be. <laughs> it could be lightning. Ah, you, know. you know, some kid hits you in the face with a, with a noodle. You're like, hey, it's okay. It's okay. That felt great. You're afraid something's going to happen. It's amazing. I went from the bottom to the top all of a sudden. Just amazing how God does things like that. And there are days that I want to quit and you want to quit and we're tired. We don't want to endeavor because it's hard and we lose our motivation and we're down and out. And then all of a sudden God reminds you of those little feet behind you. They realize if you quit, there's a greater chance they're going to quit. And if you give up and you go home, there's a greater chance they're going to give up and they're going to go home. And all of a sudden, you go from down and out to realizing, no, I've got to stay in this thing. I've got to keep going until my decease. Why? So that she can be able. Oh, can I tell you tonight, suddenly you find more motivation when you realize motivation is simply a matter of testimony. Have you ever thought about what your legacy is going to be tonight? I'm out visiting, knocking doors, inviting folks to church. Witnessing somebody at a gas station. It's amazing how many people I talk to, here's what they say. I used to go to church. I used to be in church. My grandfather was a preacher. And man, this church is full of hypocrites. So I quit. So I quit. I was getting ready to preach tonight. I thought about, do you want that to be your legacy? I got my feelings hurt and quit. What a legacy. What a legacy. I got mad and I quit. It got hard, and I quit. You're going to leave behind a legacy. Why don't our legacy be tonight? Yes, it was hard. Yes, we had to endeavor. But oh, can I tell you, God is faithful. And those who come after us are going to know that he's faithful by the testimony that I leave behind. It's not about how strong you are. It's not about what you know. It's not about the experience you have. It's about the sufficiency of the grace of God. And one day when they, oh, can I tell you, they may see spots where we paused. They may see spots where we knelt down and prayed. But never let them see spots to where we stopped and we quit. We maintained our motivation. Why? Because of the testimony of what's after. I want you to know tonight, I love you and I pray for you. I pray for our church and our people every day. But you've got to choose to be motivated sometimes. I can't make you laugh all the time. I run out of jokes, okay? There's only so many. And I hate using other people's jokes, okay? I can't make it fun all the time. I can't make it easy all the time. But oh, you can find your own motivation if you realize, number one, motivation is a matter of time. We don't have much. 
Number two, be motivated by the truth. They have to have it in remembrance. We've got to get them the truth. We can't quit for silly, silly things. Number three, we've got to be motivated by our testimony tonight. Those that are coming after us. Folks, I know summertime it gets hard. And I know in the summertime, but we get in a little bit of a spiritual slump. Could I just encourage you, choose to be motivated by your time, your truth, and your testimony. Amen? There's some kids going to be returning home from camp here in a few days. There's another group about to be shipped off to camp for a few days. And all of God's parents said, amen. When they come home, could I ask you to do something? Let them come home to a motivated church. We're trying to stoke the fire down there. Stoke the fire down there. Next week with these teenagers, I will probably be in ICU on Friday night. We've got so much planned for them. I'm having a blast with these guys. But what a shame it would be for them to come home and find a church that is cooler than they are. They come home on fire, and they come home and find a wet blanket church. Let's be motivated. And as God stirs you, let's stir each other up so that we can finish strong. Amen? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand together tonight. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. It's time to maintain our motivation. What's going to be your legacy? You got quit? You got mad? You quit? You got hard, you quit. Look, don't quit. Yeah, you may fall down to your knees because it's hard. Don't quit. Fall down to your knees and recharge in prayer. Why? We have a little time. Peter says, I must shortly put off this tabernacle. Tonight, folks, we're going to shortly put off this life. Even if it's in 50 years, it's going to be short compared to eternity. Let's be motivated by our time. The fact that this world needs an antidote to truth, I mean to fables, it's true. Let's be motivated tonight. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for what you gave Peter to give us. Thank you, Lord, that even as he knew he was drawing toward the conclusion of his life, he was still motivated. Lord, so many things had happened in the churches that he's writing to. And yet, Father, he's encouraging them, be diligent, don't be negligent. Stay motivated. Help us tonight, Father. Realize our time is short. The truth is needed. And our testimony is going to remain. And I pray that you work through this church, Lord, even our young people's lives. Lord, to greet them with a motivated church moving forward in your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's have our heads bowed tonight, just for a few minutes before we close. Don't lose what you got. And if you already have, let's get it back. Get it back. Why? We don't have much time. We don't have much time. Let's not complain about what's going on in the world if we're not giving them the antidote. The antidote is truth. They need what we've got. We're just not motivated to give it to them. There's nothing wrong having an opinion tonight. The world doesn't need our opinion. The world needs truth. That's what's going to set them free. Let's be motivated by that. Peter says, you've got to have this in remembrance. You've got to have it. Tonight, maybe our motivation ought to turn not to ourselves, but those behind us. Can I ask you this? The people that are behind you, whether it's your children, your neighbors, your friends, could your motivation lead them to be able? That's what Peter was saying. I want you to be able. I want you to be able. Jesus, that is all. Trusting as the moments fly, trusting as the days go by, trusting Him, whatever befall. Trusting. Let's have another verse and we'll close tonight. Let's maintain our motivation. Jesus, that
You know, I believe it or not, I used to play football, and I used to love playing football. And uh, I was I was a wide receiver, but from time to time we would run a, a a running play, and our quarterback's name was Graham. Graham would turn around, and Graham would hand off the ball to our running back, and he would go on. Solomon would go on the score. He's a fast, fast guy. But from time to time, Solomon was so fast, he'd run through the line and never make the connection to the ball. Uh, they didn't get the ball off to him, and he was so fast, and Graham would turn around, he was running through, and sometimes the handoff would not get made. And I don't know if you know this about football. Some of you may not be sports people, but if you're going to score, you got to have the ball, okay? Whether or not you had good intentions, they don't matter in football. You've got to have the ball, okay? You've got to make that connection. You've got to make that handoff. I believe what Peter realized was he's passing off the scene. And he says, I've got to make sure I hand off to those that are behind me. He was motivated. Could I just encourage us as a church tonight? We have got to make the handoff. They need truth. Hattiesburg needs truth. Let's be motivated tonight to be about the will of God that he's allowed us to be a part of here at Central. Good to see you tonight. Could I just encourage you one more time, pray for our kids. Even if you don't know all of them down there, pray for our kids. Pray that God will work in their lives. And uh, I look forward to how God's going to use them. Amen. Brother Zach, dismissed, please. Real quick, just one quick announcement. Remember, men's prayer breakfast is this Saturday at 8 o'clock. I think there's going to be biscuits and gravy and some other really good food. So be here, 8 o'clock, men's prayer breakfast, okay? All right, let's sing the family of God. Sing it now. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Join heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod. For I'm part of the family, the family of God.